Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown podcast presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo, coming to you from Fenway Park on this Tuesday, where we have a lengthy conversation with Dave Bush, the pitching coach of the Red Sox. We touched on a lot of topics. Obviously, there's been some rotation injuries in the last couple weeks. Get an update on Chris Sale, talk about Brian Bayo, and a bunch of other things. So, appreciate you tuning in. Here's our interview with Dave Bush. We're here at Fenway in the home dugout with the pitching coach of the Red Sox, Dave Bush, coming off a very long and I'm sure tiring West Coast trip. I know you get the uh, day to relax yesterday. You rested yeah. up and ready for this homestand now. Yeah, we are. It was a uh, you know it was a tough trip. Um, kind of nice to knock out all three cities in one trip and right. get all out of the way. Uh, but it was a great trip for us. Obviously, some late nights and and some tight games, but all in all, we played very well and happy to to come through with what we did. So let's start with you know injuries. Obviously, you guys, especially as the staff, have been hit hard in the last couple of weeks. Nate Valdi going down, Garrett Whitlock going down. With those two guys, are those guys that you think you know, this will be kind of the minimum on the IL, and then you'll get them back you know at the start of that next road trip, or is it just um, just kind of being cautious with two of your best pitchers? Uh, yeah, I mean we're always a little bit cautious. We you know we're we're trying to to make sure we make the right decision for them and for us. Um, I don't expect either one to be out for an extended period of time. Exactly what day they come back will depend on how the rotation is lining up and yeah. where we can slot them in. Um, but I think both of them are moving in the right direction and, and it shouldn't be too much longer. With Garrett, I mean, this is something that we've seen. You know, it seems like he's been limping in the last couple starts. With the struggles, kind of the bumps he's had joining the rotation, do you feel like the hip has been something that has been plaguing him for a while here or something that popped up more recently? He's been feeling it a little bit for a while, but nothing that was uh, altering his mechanics or, or affecting the way he pitched. Um, he's been good about communicating with us all the way along and getting his treatment. And it just got to the point last week where it was bothering him enough that uh, we, we didn't want to risk him doing something different on the mound uh, in order to compensate for it. So that's really the key with, with this situation with Garrett is just making sure that when he is pitching, he's pitching you know without thinking about some other part of his body. Um, so we've got to make sure his hip and, and and that pain goes away, and then once that's gone, I think it'd be fine to come back. I think it's been kind of a debate, definitely in media circles, and I'm sure within the organization, right? What's the best thing to do with him? Um, is he best as that you know, ace reliever that comes in every day, like or you know, every couple of days, like the beginning of the season, or as a starter? And I know you guys look at him as a starter long term. That's where the value is. But how hard has that decision process been? You know, I know there was a the big switch kind of there in, in early May, but how hard has it been to kind of debate that behind the scenes? Well, I guess it's a nice problem to have. Yeah. Uh, you know, bo- both roles are very valuable. Guys that can can pitch at the end of the game are are extremely important. As are guys that can start and pitch multiple innings. Um, so both roles are you know, in, in both roles. Garrett's going to bring plenty of value. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year we started with him in the bullpen, ended up in a situation where we needed a starter, and and he slid in there and has done a pretty good job. Um, you know, he hasn't been a starter in three years, I believe since uh, since 2019. He was in Double A then, so this is a big jump, regardless. I mean, you know, regardless of what he did last year and the success he had, jumping up to be a starter in the big leagues is tough. There's a lot of ups and downs, and he's learning a lot along the way. But we've been happy with how he's throwing the ball, and we'll try to slide him back in there as soon as he's healthy. And another guy, similar boat, Tanner Houck, I think we saw on this trip, you know, maybe looking at him as more of a traditional closer option than you have in the past. Do you see him as that lock-in ninth-inning guy? That's the way it's trending right now. Um, you know, he's, he's handled it very well the last two times out. We haven't had very specific bullpen roles this year. Mm-hmm. Ideally, we get to the point where we do. I don't know if Tanner's going to be that guy right now or not, but the last uh, last few games he was. He was the guy that was available for us, and he closed out two games and, and did a very good job with it. Um, but a lot of it's just we're going to wait and see, you know, see how he performs. Um, he's obviously very talented, and there's a lot of things he can do on the mound. And for where he's at and where we're at right now, this is the role that fits best. For his arsenal, for his, I mean, 
command obviously sometimes he has trouble throwing strikes is that does he have I guess the the repertoire to be a closer I know that he's been successful as a starter but do you see that as a role that he could maybe embrace for a few years well certainly the mentality for it yeah. um you know he's he's cold as ice out there I mean very calm very under control um, you know had a situation in Anaheim where he came in the ninth inning it was a tie game and there's a leadoff double um and he was calm as can be I went out and made a visit and there, there was no emotion no um you know, no, no heart rate for him. He was just very calm and made good pitches and worked his way out of it. Um, so that's a big part of it. Guys that pitch at the end of the game have to be under control. They have to be able to keep their emotions in check and their heart rate in check. Um, so he's he's been really good at that so far. You know, stuff-wise, he, he's got the stuff to pitch any part of the game. Um, he's certainly got the pitch mix to be a starter. Um, he's got the stuff, the power stuff to pitch at the end of the game. Uh, but like I said, for right now, this is where he fits best for us. And what the future holds, I don't know yet, uh, but we'll see. And you guys have said since spring training, you know, you'd love to have those defined bullpen roles, just the way things have worked out. You haven't had them. A bunch of different guys have saves. A bunch of different guys have been multi-inning guys. Do you feel like the group has embraced that? Do you feel like there's any guys who would prefer, like, okay, I want the seventh? Last year, obviously, first half of the year, you had, you know, Ottavino in the eighth pretty much, Barnes in the ninth. The other guys kind of fell into, fell into place. I knew you guys in a perfect world would have that. Do you feel like your players do as well? I, I would assume so. You know, they've been... I'm really, uh, really open and willing to do anything we need. Mm. Um, I'm sure that given the prep or given the choice, they'd prefer to to know when they're going to pitch and have more defined roles, but some of that is earned and, and just works itself out. But it's starting to solidify itself a little bit right now. The, the bullpen uh, roles and, and innings are kind of starting to clean up a little bit. Um, but look, they've been really good. They, they understand the situation we're at with our, with our bullpen, and um, we use a lot of different guys at the end of the game. We use a lot of different guys that leverage roles earlier in the game. But they seem to understand, you know, who they match up against and how they fit. And as I said, given time here, I think it's going to clean itself up a little bit. And speaking of Matt Barnes, who I just mentioned, obviously he's on the injured list. I think before that there were struggles and, you know, there's been struggles now for a year, but two of the worst outings he's had, the one in Chicago where he didn't have much command, the one here where he gave up the homer. Um, where are things with his rehab? And then um, how much of what he's dealing with is getting the shoulder right and how much of it is just still working on the getting the mechanics right and getting him back to the guy he was a year ago when he was an all-star well he's starting to feel better um his, his rehab is going along nicely um you know hopefully we get him back sooner than later i don't have a, an exact timetable yet but um you know we had to get the the pain out of the shoulder first to make sure he could pitch you know w- without feeling that um i think he's getting to that point right now and then we'll build him back up and you can get him active when he's ready um, but it's a little bit of both. I mean, some of it is, you know, there were some mechanical issues we worked through. They were you know, trying to get his feet a little back up, trying to get the, the, the pitch shape to be a little bit sharper. Um, but, yeah, I think he may have been dealing with something for a little while, too. And you know, <coughs> pitching is tough. Most guys, uh, they don't feel 100% most days. Right. You know, there's those few days where you feel great and you're going to dominate. But by and large, a lot of games you don't feel great. You don't feel 100%. And so um, he was trying to help Matt get back up to there uh, and, and feel as good as he can to get out there and, and be the guy he was last year. If you think back to where we were a year ago, right, he's an all-star, he signed that extension, he's you know, arguably the most dominant reliever in baseball and having the best stretch of his career, and since then it's just been you know, constant, whether it's you know, struggles and losing his role, COVID, not making the roster, I mean, the, what, what's happened this year. How as a coach do you keep a guy like that you know, mentally right? I mean, how do you keep him upbeat and kind of ready for the process, embracing the work and not too discouraged? Well, he's been, he's been willing to work hard. I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit for that because it, in spite of all this, he has not quit. He hasn't quit on us or himself. Um, he's been willing to, to try different things, to do different things with his delivery, to try different pitch shapes. Um, he's really willing to work and, and try stuff to get back. Um, baseball's tough, man. It's, it's tough. It's, uh, you know, guys go through ups and downs, and 
Um, in order for him to get back to being the guy he was last year, he's going to have to work hard, and he has been. And so this is a little, little dip here with a shoulder injury, but um, you know, I'm confident that when he gets back and is back with us, that he'll continue moving in the right direction. You see him going to Worcester, Portland, anywhere before he comes back at this point? Uh, I don't know. It depends how long it takes. Yeah. Um, you know, at a certain point in time, guys need a rehab out in here too, just to, to make sure they're sharp before they come back. Um, sometimes they don't. So I guess it just depends on exactly how long this takes. And another injury guy, I think, is the kind of the trending big story now is Chris Sale, and we've been talking about you know updates on him for unfortunately most of the last couple of years. Um, from what I heard yesterday, it was a really encouraging session in Fort Myers, hit 96. What were the reports on that that you got? I've heard a lot of good things, um, pretty much all the way along. Mm-hmm. You know, every time uh, he throws, we get a report and usually some video that comes with it. And, and all the coaches and trainers that have seen him in Florida have been uh, has spoken very highly of the shape he's in and how his arm is feeling. Um, the rib seems to be not a problem at all anymore. Um, so I'm excited to see him again to, to get him back on the mound. Uh, there's you know, it's going to be a little bit of time for him to build up his endurance and his length. Um, but stuff-wise, all the reports I've heard are very good, and I think he's getting close. And he's here, right? Yeah, he's just showing up um, for the homestand. Uh, you know, he's got some live BPs coming up. That'll be the first step. Um, and then hopefully a rehab assignment before too long. Um, but I don't have the exact dates, but it's coming soon. I mean, he's, he's moving in the right direction. He's getting... He's getting to the point where uh, you know, guys would show up in spring training, which is where jump right into live BPs and then game action. Um, and once you get to there, you're not that far away. Right. So I, I think it's going to be sooner than later. So with him, you expect a live BP or two here during the homestand and then kind of progress from there? Yeah, I, be- I believe that's the plan. Uh, I have to speak to the trainers to know exactly what days. Yeah. But um, as far as I understand, that's what he's ready for. And so a live BP or, or two and then starting a rehab assignment. And then we just kind of read it and see how he feels and how he throws to, to decide when he's going to be active again. I know you talked to Jen McCaffrey at The Athletic the other day about this and kind of made some headlines about potentially bringing him back as a reliever. Um, I know since that interview, things have changed, right? You've had a couple starters go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see him in a perfect world building up in the minors, coming back as a starter? Are you still open to the relief thing? Where do you stand with that right now? Um, I mean, I, ideally, he, he comes back as a starter and, and pitches like he always has in the past. Um, but, you know, reliever starter, those roles kind of get blurred. You know, he, yeah. he, he may start but not be able to throw six innings right away, and, and we can call him a starter, but it may only be a few innings yeah. at a time. Um, so, like I said, you know, what you want to call it doesn't really matter, but, um, you know, our, our situation with a couple of starters going down, um, you know, it, it may change things a little bit, but but in the end we're going to make the right decision for Chris's health and, and for the team. Um, you know, rushing him back simply because other guys are hurt is not going to be the right answer. Yeah. Uh, but if he's ready and, and we think he can contribute and he's going to pitch innings for us that are valuable and useful and can help us win, then you know we'll make that decision at that time. So you could see you know him pitching an inning or two here instead of doing that in Worcester or at Portland at a certain point. Uh, it it all depends. You know, at this point he's got to get through the live BPs. Yeah. He's, he's got to face hitters somewhere at some point just to to make sure he recovers. I think the recovery aspect <clears throat> is probably more than, than the game. Um, you know, when a guy's active in the big leagues, he has to be able to pitch. Um, you know, if, if Chris goes out and throws two innings, or, or anyone for that matter goes out and throws two innings, but then needs a whole week off, that means other guys in the team or, the, or other guys in the bullpen are going to have to absorb those innings. Um, so it's not just about his ability to pitch in the game, but it's the ability to recover and pitch again when he needs to. Um, so for that reason, we'll have to do at least a few rehab outings just to make sure that he can – you know, he can face hitters and, and recover and then do it again and recover and do it again and make sure that whole process works and then we'll rethink it. I know you guys hate the timetable question more than anything because you don't really even know. You know, It depends on how every step goes. But safe to say by the All-Star break for him? If everything goes smoothly, sure. Yeah. Um, 
but that's always a big if. Yeah. You know, anytime a guy is hurt, no matter what the injury is, um, we never know exactly when, when they're going to come back. Uh, you know, we can map it out. We can say best case scenario. We can build in some, some extra days just in case something happens. But um, realistically, we don't know until each step along the way. You know, we'll map it out and we'll line up what his rehab games are going to be. And, and at some point, we'll decide when we think that's enough. Um, but exactly what day it is, hard to tell. Hard to yeah. tell until he's in that moment. We've seen him, you know, kind of the roller coaster of emotions in the last couple of years where, you know, very bummed again about getting hurt at the beginning with Tommy John. Then kind of as he went through that process, he kind of like or was rethinking some things in his career and kind of gained perspective. And then again, really, really down with the ribcage thing uh, in spring training that happened to that workout at FGCU. Where, where's he mentally right now? Does he feel like he's at 100%? Does he, is he, you know, with him, I know it's always, he's raring to go. You guys are trying to pull him back a little bit, but is he, you know, in a, in a good spot there? Well, you're right. He's, he's always pushing. Yeah. Um, you know, if it were up to him, I'm sure he, he would have been active already. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's doing the work. He, he feels great. Um, and we, we've mapped out a plan for him where we think it's, it's the, right, the right mix of, you know, pushing him a little bit, but also giving him time to recover. Um, but, but he's going to be ready to go. I mean, he, he learned a lot last year uh, coming back from Tommy John and, and having a handful of starts uh, towards the end of the year um, when admittedly he wasn't 100%. You know, he, he, was, he felt great, but the, the stuff wasn't quite back to where it had been at his peak. Yeah. Um, but it was good for him because it forced him to look at pitching a little bit differently. He had to, to kind of rethink how he, how he approaches hitters, how he uses his stuff. Um, we had some great conversations in the bullpen doing his side work about things he can get better at. Um, you know, admittedly, from from his side, he's always had really good stuff, and he's always overpowered guys. And as he's getting older, like most guys do when they're older, they have to be a little more savvy, uh, um, a little better feel for pitching, a little, little more understanding of how their body feels and how it moves. Um, and those are steps that he's starting to take now. And I think in the long run, they're going to help him a lot because um, as the stuff picks back up and, and hopefully gets back to where it was at his peak, he will also be a lot smarter and have some more experience under his belt. Um, and for the guys that continue pitching you know, into their mid to late 30s, they're the ones that they learn that stuff. And, and they get a lot smarter and they get a lot better as they get older. I know you never want anybody to get hurt. That's obvious. But if there's a silver lining to, you know, not just you know, Chris being out, but now Nate and Garrett, I think that it's kind of stunning the amount of rotation depth it feels like you guys have. Obviously, you never can have enough. But you saw what Cutter Crawford did the other day. What Josh Winkowski is probably, you know, going to be up here soon for some more, uh, you know, a second outing. Brian Bayo seems like he's knocking down the door. Um, how comforting is it to you to have, you know, not just, you know, Garrett and Tanner in the major leagues as guys who could step into the rotation when Chris was out, but this collection of guys now at AAA, those guys, Brandon Walter, Connor Siebold, um, do you feel like you have a real surplus there? We do. We knew it back in spring training when we showed up and we had you know, seven guys that were potentially going to be starters. Um, can never have too much starting pitching depth. Um, it's hard to find. It's hard to find veteran big league guys it's hard to find younger guys um, there's a reason why good big league starting pitchers get paid so much money because mm-hmm. they're really valuable and they're hard to find so the fact that we had you know we went into the season with enough and then we had a little bit of a surplus um, and we had some guys in the minor leagues that we feel good about that are on the way up um, now is why we, you know, we're seeing why we have it um, because we're being tested a little bit we have a couple guys out you know obviously Chris and, and, and uh, Paxton aren't back yet um, but this is why we build depth. This is, you know, one of the things Heim is focused on a lot is, is building through the mining system. So when we have moments like this, when we are tested, um, we have guys that we feel confident putting in there. Uh, and look, no guarantee. Big leagues are tough. Mm-hmm. You know, Cutter found that out last year. And um, as did Seabold and, 
and uh, Winkowski did earlier this year, where you know first outings weren't always great, but um, it's an important step to take for those guys, and, and each one of them came out of it having learned something. And I think Cutter uh, the other day was was a lot better, partially because of the way he's learned in the past. Right. Um, so I expect that for all the guys. I don't think anyone's going to step in here and be uh, dominant right away, but we want them to be prepared and be ready and be willing to learn on the field. Um, we feel confident they'll be able to do that, and, and we can see how they grow from there. Do you feel like Bayo's starting to knock on the door? I mean, this is a guy that's kind of one of those helium guys that we didn't hear much about two years ago, but now, you know, 10 strikeouts, his first two appearances at AAA, and it seems like, you know, the scouting reports are that he's getting close. Yeah, I mean, anyone that's in AAA is close. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why we move guys up, you know, step-by-step step through the minor leagues so that by the time they get to AAA, they're available and ready in case of need. Um, Bayo's been great this year. Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly picked up last team the last couple of years. I saw him when he was still much younger a few years ago when I was doing more minor league work. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he, he's a, a guy that internally we always liked, but you know, it's tough when guys are teenagers. You don't quite know how they're going to develop. Yeah. But he's taken a lot of steps forward the last couple of years. He's really developed into a, a much better pitcher um, with really power stuff. Um, but, yeah, look, any, anyone that, that's AAA or even AA sometimes is, is close, um, and that's the kind of depth that we're going to tap into at some point. I know this week you need, I think, three starts between that group. I think it's probably safe to assume Cutter is going to stay. Um, is Bayo a candidate for, for those days? I, I don't know. Um, you know. We're just trying to survive the West Coast trip. Um, we, we haven't had, and being off yesterday, we haven't had a chance to really talk through that. Um, I'm sure that's a discussion that, that they're having in the front office, and then um, you know they'll, they'll involve coaches when the time is right. Um, you know, some of those decisions are, are easy baseball decisions. Some of them are more complicated. You know, but we're looking at our guys and, and figuring out how we can best line them up and match them up and you know, put our team and also players in the best position to succeed. You know, sometimes bringing a guy up for one start is not the right move for him. Sometimes it is. Um, so we'll kind of wait and see um, see how this week plays out and, and how uh, Evo and Garrett do and, as they recover, and then I'll probably determine, determine what we do. you feel like from that group you have guys that you'd be willing to – have be in the bullpen down the stretch i mean obviously the bullpen i think is more of a need than the starting rotation maybe not right now with the injuries but generally um do you feel like whether it's a bayo or a walter one of those guys could come up and um be in the bullpen and then generally do you feel like that kind of screws with development ever uh there's a lot of pieces to that uh some some guys you know sometimes the the initial path of the big leagues is in the bullpen whether a guy's future is that way or not that that may be where Sale, they, right? yeah that, that may be where the initial opportunity is um said in Chris's case he went straight to the big leagues and, and pitched out of the pen for a little while but you know knowing that he was going to be a starter other times we feel like it's more important for their development to stay in a routine and, and continue developing as a starter um, really case by case basis and a lot determined by need at that moment uh, we get in a situation where you know we're, we're down the stretch and we're fighting for a playoff spot and one of those guys is the best option we have to put in the pen then we'll probably do it um, but if we get in the same spot and we feel like their best option is for them to start and we move other guys around, then we'll do that too. So there's no script for it, um, but we're always balancing, you know, present and future, um, what's right for the team, what's right for the player, and, and trying to make a decision that's going to benefit, you know, as much as we can short-term and also um, not sacrificing too much long-term. That's a lot of young guys that we just talked about. Let's talk about, you know, two of the older guys, including the oldest guy that you told me kind of an interesting story in Chicago about your personal history with Rich Hill. And uh, could just take us through that and how, you know, now things really kind of come full circle. Yeah, Rich and I were teammates in Cape Cod in Chatham in 2000. Um, so hard to believe it's been, been 22 years. Yeah. I've, I've known Rich for, a, for obviously a very long time. Uh, we got to pitch against each other a couple times in the big leagues when he was in Chicago and I was in Milwaukee. 
um, and kept in touch, you know, all, all the years. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's always a cool moment like this when, when, you know, for me to see him still having success at, at 42 years old uh, seems impossible. You know, it seems impossible for me to be out there at, at the same age trying to compete. But um, you know, his work ethic and his competitiveness are, are outstanding. Uh, you know, his, his intelligence on the mound, his willingness to, to kind of change who he is and make adjustments throughout his career and, and to continue doing that now is the reason why he's still pitching in the big leagues. Not overpowering stuff by any means, but good stuff and really smart, knows how to use it. Um, it's, it's fun to watch him pitch. It's, you know, it's obviously a bit of a throwback for a guy that played the same era I did, um, which sometimes seems like a long time ago. Um, but I, like, I, I love watching him pitch. I like working with him because because uh, how he go, goes about his business. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of a unique situation to uh, to be coaching someone that I was teammates with so long ago. But um, he's been great, really has. And he's the only guy that doesn't call you Bushy, right? He is. He calls me Dave. Yep. Yeah. Um, don't know why. Um, probably what he called me 20 some odd right. years ago. But uh, yeah, he's the only one uh, only one that ever calls me that. So I always know when I hear Dave that it's Rich calling for me. Yeah. And, and another guy, Michael Walker, he's been fantastic. You know, I think if you looked at just the, the raw numbers last year, it wasn't, you know, as impressive as I think a look under the hood. But he's been really great for you guys. What has been the biggest key if you could you know, nail down one? Well, I think he turned a corner a little bit towards the end of last year. He made some changes in his pitch mix um, last couple months of the year and, and performed quite a bit better August and September. Um, I think that was one of the things that appealed to us as we were looking to sign him in the offseason was um, we felt like some of those changes were sustainable and that he could be a better pitcher than he had been you know, the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, we, we, he came in the spring and, and he came in ready to go, which is a great part. The, the lockout was tough on a lot of guys without being able to communicate with him. But he showed up ready to go. He's been very open and willing to take information, to try different things, um, you know, to uh, to take control of his career and, and his starts. And, and he's fully prepared. Um, like I said, I like the way he competes, like the way he goes about his business. He comes in ready to go. Um, he's been really good. He's, he's doing everything right right now, which is the reason why he's having success out there. And the last one for you, because I know you have meetings that are much more important than this. But uh, what is – I mean, this is – you know, you've just kind of seen a lot in your time as pitching coach, right? I mean, there's been COVID and um, different types of meetings, all that type of stuff, and it's your first time in this full-time role, you know, so not your first year, but just your stint here. What have you learned about yourself, and what has, you know, kind of been the learning curve like since you've taken on the role? Uh, I've learned a lot, um, an awful lot. Uh, there's there's certainly a lot of value in gained each year in coaching and, and the last three years have been tough with the first year of the COVID year and then um, you know, last year not sure if we were going to start on time or not and then this year having to lock out the delayed spring training um, there's there's a lot uh, a lot to learn and one of the things that, that I try to do professionally is just to continue getting better just like we ask the players to um, you know if I want to stay coaching um, you know into the future here then I have to continue getting better and, and yeah. learning how the game is evolving being open to new information uh, like i said all the same things we ask of the players um but yeah i mean it's it it's been great it's it's obviously much different than playing um i love the competitiveness that's that's the thing i like the most is the you know the three or so hours and when you're in the dugout and competing for the game and that's what i really enjoy and that's what i missed the most when i stopped playing it was just the the sheer kind of fun and satisfaction of competing and being out there winning or losing um, but just the the going out there and, and trying to help guys win help them be as good as they can be um, but as far as what I've learned, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's, uh, you know, dealing with personalities and, and information, and the game is evolving and changing rapidly. Um, so it's a challenge to stay on top of that thing. But 
like I said, in the end, it's it's a competition and and working with people I like the most. Um, just getting to know personalities, finding out what's what makes what makes each guy tick. And we, each guy's a little bit different. Each conversation on the bench or on the mound or in the bullpen is different for each guy because uh, everyone needs something a little bit different. And like I said, I enjoy the challenge of kind of meeting their needs in whatever space they need it. Right. Whether they call you Bushy or Dave, right? Uh, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever they want to call me, um, you know, I've, I've heard it all over the years. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I strive to have a kind of an open relationship with guys where um, I'd be as honest as I can be. And, and sometimes it's not what they want to hear, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I work hard at developing relationships so I can be honest. Uh, you know, sometimes honesty can be taken the wrong way, but if I lay the groundwork first and I get to know guys and, and um, and hopefully they, they truly understand that I'm trying to get them to be as good as they can be. Um, this is for them. It's not for me. This is for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their careers. They're the ones that are out there throwing the ball. Whatever advice I can give them is, is because I truly think it's going to make them better. Um, and with that, there's sometimes there's criticism. Sometimes there, there's stuff they don't want to hear. But um, the relationship's the important part so that, so that when they do have something tough to say, that they, they still believe that I'm on their side and that I'm doing everything I can to help them get better. Well, awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Anytime.